0: Hey, welcome to a new episode of Last Call Baseball, number 138. I'm Dorian. What's been going on with the Latin American Winter Leagues? Do you like offense? Do you like scoring? Well, then, my friend, you should also be watching the Nicaraguan Winter League with me. As I told you last time we were together, those games are free on YouTube. Obviously, they're also playing in the Dominican Republic in Mexico and in Venezuela. Those are the top three Latin American winter leagues. Nicaragua was in, this, in like that second tier along with like Colombia and I think Puerto Rico. No, in no particular order, but it's still good competitive baseball. There's a lot of offense in Nicaraguan league. The pitching leaves something to be desired. It's not as bad as when I watched the Cuban national league back in 2020. Oh my God. Those Cuban pitchers are Horrible. But it's interesting because in the Nicaraguan Winter League, they play, the teams play six times in a week, and they don't have that many relievers. So even if the starting pitcher gets lit up for like five runs in like the first two or three innings, the manager has to keep him in there because you can't keep running out the bullpen to cover four or five innings every single five nights, five, six nights a week. And so the first few games... I've actually I'm supporting uh, Tigres de Chinandega, the Tigers of, the, of this town city called Chinandega, which is in the northwest of Nicaragua, close to the border with Honduras. I've watched every single one of their games. And so you get to see a lot of the other teams as well. And some of the some of these pitchers are just getting lit up. And at first two first few games, I was like, wait, why is this guy still in here? They need to get this pitcher out. He's he's going to cost his team this game, etc. cetera. But now I understand why. And a couple of the highlights I want to share with you that I love this because baseball is baseball. Whether you're playing at the little league level, the college level, the high school, minor leagues, all-star, whatever. But I love it when you can tell that people have fun. And there was a game where two teams, Tren del Norte, the train of the north, was visiting uh, the Gigantes de Rivas, the giants from this town of Rivas, back on November 5th. In the background, the stadium announcer, whoever the DJ guy is, was playing Rhythm of the Night, but Corona, that 1995 dance hit. You remember that song? This is the rhythm of the night. Oh, night. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to continue singing it because I don't have the best singing voice, but I, I love that. And I was like, I love that you're playing 90s dance hits in the middle of a game in, in, in the Latin American Winter League. And the last time we were together, I also called out whoever the owner is of the Tigres de Chinandega that the very first opening game, they didn't even paint the stadium. The stadium looked like it had been like rotting out. And to their credit, the second game they hosted, you could tell they had the, the stadium had a fresh coat of paint. It's like, OK, finally, guys, obviously someone embarrassed you. And it, believe me, it wasn't me because they're not listening to this this podcast in English to actually make the stadium look better on TV. And on this podcast, we love pets. We especially love cats, but we also love dogs and turtles and I'm about to say sasquatches. Nevertheless, we love pets. There was a game where the, the Tigres was playing at the Leones de León, the lions from the city of lions. <laughs> I love these names. This happened like a few days ago. The, the Leones pitcher was warming up and there was a random dog. Running, running around the pitcher's mouth when the pitcher was warming up just before the top of the first inning, and he immediately reminded me when you see these videos when there's cats that come onto the field during an MLB game that's like chase that's being like just chased all around and goes into the stadium and everyone has a good laugh for a few minutes. <laughs> I love it, guys. I genuinely am having a good time watching the winter leagues, whether you speak Spanish or understand Spanish or not. It's still baseball. And again, you can improve on your ninth grade Spanish or learn new terminology in baseball. It's fun. They're still playing good quality baseball in Latin America right now. If you want to watch the Dominican League, you can go on their website. You can pay. uh, I think it's a monthly fee. I forget what it is. The Mexican League also. You can watch it on your phone, on your laptop, whatever. You have to pay a fee. And the Venezuelan Venezuelan League, I believe, does like a hybrid. I I still haven't been able to find any Venezuelan games on YouTube, but I know they also, they're like behind a paywall. But the Nicaraguan League, as far as I know, is the only one that's exclusively in every single game is on YouTube. And this week's guest knows a little bit about pitching and playing at a high level. This week, our special guest is Mark Seaver. Assistant Director of Sports Performance at Wake Forest University. Mark, welcome to Last Call Baseball.
1: Appreciate it, Torian. No, no problem. My pleasure being here.
0: I'm going to ask you to end an age-old question. What's the difference between dad rock and yacht rock?
1: Dad rock? Yacht rock? Dad rock, I guess, is something that I put on my in my earphones when I'm blowing leaves in the yard or mowing the grass or working outside with my son. Uh, I think yacht rock is when you're sitting there having a few beers at the beach at the shore on, on a boat apparently um I wouldn't know the yacht rock I guess but uh, we just had a kind of a meet and greet kind of Instagram thing on our Instagram page wake for sports performance and it said dad rock was my favorite I really really don't listen to a whole lot of music. Um, I'll listen it's weird I, I'm really weird. I'm the strength coach that doesn't drink coffee will uh, when I work out, I'll, I'll watch HGTV or something. I, I really don't have music. I have to be in the mood for that. I'll listen to a lot of Christian rock. Dax has a new music, new new song out with Darius Rucker on it. It's one of the remixes. It's pretty awesome to be a man. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, and I'll listen to that stuff. Uh, one of the guys I, I play uh, who played here at Wake Forest, who's from the Toronto Blue Jays, he's now helping us out, coming back for his degree. And he'll come in and we'll play some Creed. He's a big Creed guy but he came in during Halloween week and was like, I know you're psycho because I come in here and you're working out and you're watching Halloween movies. So like I'm watching slasher thriller type stuff. But uh, um, if I were to pick some music to listen to, it'd probably be dad rock. If we're driving down to the, down to the shore or or road tripping back home to Pittsburgh or something like that, something like that, or some, maybe some country.
0: Yeah. I did ask you that because I saw that uh, on yeah. that, like get to know you post and, in my opinion, I had never actually thought of the difference of it because I always thought it was one of the same, but I think dad rock is more malleable because as, me- as young men age into fatherhood in their thirties and forties, then what you liked when you were a teenager in twenties is dad rock. But yacht rock, I think is more ferment in like, it's very eighties, very Huey Lewis and yeah, yous, maybe okay. some Phil Collins. I would even say pointer sisters. Cause it's very eighties. I don't think dad, I don't think yacht rock or-, or dad rock has to all be male male artist but yeah and i'm sure i'm sure creed was doing a good obviously with the the texas rangers with the unofficial anthem uh what is it uh what was it higher i think
1: yeah so yeah so i
0: i I saw like their spotify playlist like went went much higher because of the uh the rangers
1: yeah they've been big on again on instagram like with uh um uh i think it's i think it's higher hello my friend we meet again is that the song I don't know the words. I don't know the titles of the song. I just hear it. But the the kid I work out with, who's a big Creed fan, arms wide open is about meeting his son for the first time. And this, this baseball player has a, a one-year-old son or 11 month old son. It could be one. So it hits a little different when you're, when you're a dad, for sure. So I guess something like Creed would become a dad rock. And, and it's, and it's funny how, Music from the 2000s might be dad rock for, for somebody, like you said. But again, things that I grew up on, things, again, my, my dad necessarily didn't listen to, but I listened to growing up into in high school and college, become, become staples in my repertoire, I guess.
0: And you hinted at what you do, obviously, when you're saying when you work out, you watch HGTV. By the way, I'm a huge fan of HGTV as well.
1: Absolutely.
0: As the Assistant Director for Sports Performance at Wake Forest University, when you think of sports performance, what does that entail? It just seems so, so overwhelming. So, when you're working with these college, with these student athletes, what does sports performance entail?
1: We, uh, Ethan Reeve, was my director of strength and conditioning here when I first started, and he likes to use the analogy of a pie. And strength sports performance is a, like a small piece of the pie uh, in a student athlete. Uh, we, he, he always said five percent. I think it's a little bit more than that now. Um, it's kind of morphed into something where. We're doing the conditioning portion of it. We're doing the strength and strength portion of it as always, but now we're doing more mobility work. We're doing health and safety with the kids. Um, That's priority number one here at Wake Forest is is safety preached by our uh, director of athletics, John Curry. Um, So that's something we really are concerned ourselves with. Uh, There's a big science component to it now, which is again, hard for an old school guy like myself who's almost 50 years old now um, trying to continue to, push the needle and, and we do force plate data. We do, uh, we get data out of the pitching lab uh, here at Wake Forest, and we kind of have to put it all together. Some of the guys have whoop straps that we look at. Uh, We we do, again, the force plate jumping, looking at strain levels, everything, everything kind of has been more encompassed into, instead of me just programming squats for a day, it's, okay, how fast are we moving that squat when we do velocity-based training? Um, So sports performance has become a whole different field than the, the original, just get in the weight room and push some, push some weight around. There's a, a, a lot more science to it. And I think that's why it's morphed into a, a performance and not just strength coach.
0: You, again, you hinted at it as well as the the whoop and all of the, the technology that comes in. I love college baseball and I follow some teams. What's impressed me a lot is for those people that know college baseball, the SEC and the ACC conferences are probably the two strongest conferences and the facilities and the resources you guys have is just some of you guys rival some minor league teams. It's incredible that the, that the amount of tracking you guys do. And I'm like, wow, it's, it's, it's crazy, but it's, it's, again, it's very impressive going back, touching back about being like a father and also being leading these young men and women in to, to be the best athletes and student athletes they can be. What's the, what's what, what are times that you actually feel proud of? Like, wow, it really sank through you know, they're performing to better than their, their abilities.
1: I I really enjoy getting a text message from a former athlete in pro ball. And when they say we're doing the same stuff we did in college, I mean, taking the minor league experience that I had. Um, and again, you talked about our facilities and how they rival minor league f- facilities I took a shower in a minor league facility where if you weren't the first one in you were showering in six inches of water because there was no drainage in it so our facility is heads and tails above that so there's no rivalry with that minor league facility but taking some of the movement that we did and and the minds that they have at the minor league level and taking little bits and pieces from those guys and putting them into our program i think we always want wake forest to be a stepping stone to the next level i mean obviously we want to have success here but we want to prepare our guys for the next level and one thing coach Walter strives on is preparing our athletes to be young men and to be fathers and to be and again most of our guys won't have careers in major league baseball um one of the stats our pitching coach gave us gave me when we were interviewing him was that in the history of major league baseball there's only been about i think it's like 23,000 people that have made the major leagues like Babe Ruth was like number 7 7,400 and something or whatever like that's way back when so again the amount of people that make it to the big leagues is very small so stressing that of the things we do in the weight room on the field in the classroom to prepare you for a life outside of baseball um not just to get the most out of you now i think that's that's what's the most rewarding when we have alumni days and they come back and especially when we had our run to omaha last year and guys came back uh, to see the super regional and, and their doctors and lawyers. And, and one kid brought his, his kids with him And, and a teammate of mine came back and had his whole family. And I got to tell Craig Kupiak stories. Craig Kupiak was the guy He was one of our outfielders when I played to tell his, tell his high school college stories to uh, his kids who are now getting ready to go into high school and and it, telling his wife stories and his wife cracking up laughing. Um, I think that's the, the, the best part to me. Um, I sat in a class uh, military leadership class with uh, Dr. Kenny Herbst and Kenny was a basketball player here at Wake Forest when I was a student. So to be able to help him out in any way is is pretty awesome too. But we had it's filled with mostly student athletes and we had um, what makes what makes things memorable? What's what what makes things different in in athletics and stuff like that? How do you pick leaders? And it's a lot of the people and I was sitting next to our Ashley Bashton our assistant cross country coach and they had just won the uh, ACCs and I said in 20 years nobody will remember who won the ACCs in men's cross country and one of our baseball players was there and this was in Jan, like January maybe in the fall semester I said nobody will remember Wake Forest baseball in 2023 I said we could win the national championship this year I said but nobody will remember that 20 years from now. I couldn't tell you who the, who won the national championship in baseball five years ago, but it's the relationships you develop with the, the student athletes, the relationships you develop within the student athletes. I said, you'll remember your teammates. You'll, I remember my teammates. I said, and, and and when I get text messages back from them or I text a, a kid on his birthday I say, hey, happy birthday. Or like I have some women's golfers who are playing on the LPGA tour and when they win, I, I send them a text message, congratulations, great job. And I'll joke with him a little bit to continue those relationships are, 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 what's the most important. And that's the most rewarding thing to me. Um, And again, to see, and I, Pierce came back and Pierce Bennett is one of the kids who was in that leadership class playing for the Phillies now. And he came back and I said, what did I tell you in that military leadership class? And I said about the relationships you have with your teammates and the relationships you have with your coach. And he goes, you're absolutely right. And you go, that's, it's, it's a hundred percent because in, in, Ten years and twenty years, nobody remember who Pierce Bennett was, but the guy on his team will remember that he hit in front of him, and he hit a double and got into scoring position, and and he hit him home for the winning run in a certain game that we won. So I again, mean, it's that's to me that's more rewarding than uh, wins and losses. Don't yeah, tell that, coaches. <laughs> don't tell the coaches that. But, but.
0: for those of you who don't know, Wake Forest, Wake Forest, the college baseball program is one of the elite college baseball programs in the country. And you also mentioned having played in the minor leagues. So you went. to, You've been to a place that was a professional baseball player in the Oakland Athletics and the Baltimore Orioles organizations. You're at. A, you went. You've been at a place where a lot of the student athletes that you that you coach, I guess for lack of a better word, want to get to. What are some? What is like one or two things that you take from your memory as you're saying what these young men and women are are trying to establish, and also what's one or two things you then to try to impart to share with these potentially future professional athletes?
1: Uh, Well, the story about the 23,000 kids in major league baseball, I tell that to every prospect camp we have, because as soon as you say who wants to make the major leagues, every kid raises their hand. And I, then I tell them facts. I was like, this is facts. Um, So unless you're going to make life-changing money in that first or second round, like it's, it's, Difficult not to get out there and and go to college and get a degree. I remember in 1999, I believe it was, we were sitting out in left field and shagging during BP in San Jose, California for playing for the Modesto A's, a high A out in the California league. And it's myself, Michael Holmes, who's the scouting director for the San Francisco Giants, Mario Ramos, who went to Rice University, um, who had a cup of coffee in the big leagues, left handed pitcher, and Eric Burns, everybody knows who eric burns is. if you like baseball you know who eric burns is he's a wild man and eric burns would love me telling stories like this about him but we sat there and we all went eric burns went to ucla got a degree uh, mario ramos went to rice got an unbelievable degree michael holmes and myself went to wake forest and got degrees and we looked at the difference between a high school draft pick and a college draft pick and there's something different once you get drafted you're out in the world, and I don't want to say the world because it's not real life, but you're out on your own and you've got to get up in the morning, get breakfast. You've got to wash your own clothes. You've got to get to the park on time. You've got to make sure you make the bus because we had guys who missed the bus who didn't go on road trips. There's a lot of things that you're not used to as a high school kid that you get thrown into the fire and you don't know how to handle yourself. And a lot of it was just the maturity level. I mean, even guys who were high school draft picks, who were the same age as us in high A, there was a maturity level there. You didn't you really develop a work ethic when you go to, like you said, an elite college program, you develop a work ethic, you develop the understanding of what it takes to prepare, you understand the process. Um, I think that's really big in preparing yourself to, to go to the next level. I'm not saying you can't do it as a high school pick and not have that maturity, um, but there's got to be a good background. You've got to have a good background and be able to handle yourself in in those situations because there's a lot of things out there in minor league baseball that you may or not be ready for. And I know, again, things have changed in the last 20, 25 years since I played minor league baseball that they're taking better care of their high school kids. They're obviously taking better care of your arms, uh, taking care of your bodies. There's uh assigned strength coaches at every every facility there's nutritionists now that help out and 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 your diet so again guys don't show up with mcdonald's or burger king or taco bell or del Del taco was big in the california leg. we hit del taco a lot uh but again um things that are important to your development um they're doing a really a a lot better job being able to uh, to get the high school kid ready but i think that's the biggest thing you see in minor league baseball is the the, the difference that's what I saw
0: absolutely you're you're talking about young men who are drafted we call it whether 21 22 years old versus an 18 year old who is obviously living with their parents and then immediately have to be thrown into a professional setting and yeah that you I'm sure you could definitely see the difference between three or four years uh, three or four year old span
1: we see it in high school or I'm sorry we see it here in college where Again, the biggest jump they always talk about, the biggest jump is between the day you step on your campus your freshman year to the day you step on campus your sophomore year. We have a pitcher who got a deer in the headlights when he got here. He, he's going to be a big part of our staff come this year. He's He was a freshman last year. He had a, made a jump this summer, had a great summer playing and under, handling the workload and handling the workload of college and, and the responsibilities of college, and he's going to play a big role. Merrick Houston, who was a freshman last year, was a guy who had a huge role for us. He was our shortstop and and was thrown in the fire, struggled offensively um, defensively he was unbelievable, but he's made the jump physically and 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 mentally uh, to a sophomore year and he's going to be a guy not maybe not this year but the next year where he's going to be a guy to be counted on as a leader. Um, and he's a guy that that was there last year and who made it to Omaha. We had I think five total position players from last year. That were on that uh, Omaha team that came back this year, and again, there's the guys who are going to lead this year. Merrick was one of them, who had significant at bats, but he was a freshman last year, and he's only a sophomore now. But he's made a huge jump, and again, seeing that in just in a year in college, um, it, it's it's a little bit more difficult in pro ball when you don't when you didn't have as much guidance. I don't know the guidance they get now, but I I didn't have as much guidance in pro ball as as you you got in college for sure. You met. You're mentioning a lot
0: of pitchers, and I wish I could give credit to where I heard this. I, that Wake Forest is called Pitch Forest.
1: No, we've always been called we were called Wake Wake Forest. It's funny when uh, we were the, towards the end of the year, Brett Louder, who was maybe the best pitcher in the ACC ever, right? He was the best pitcher at Wake Forest ever, and he came and worked out with the hitters one day, and Brock Wilkin, who um, I joked with Brock Wilkins, Brock Wilkins, the ACC home run leader. He broke um, JD Drew's record. And I joked with Brock. I broke, I joked with Brock when he broke the record. I said, Hey, you would have had this last week, but I gave up a home run to JD Drew. So you were, you were, you were tied with him, but Rhett was in the hitters workout because he had a meeting or something with somebody and they were joking back and forth. He said, he said, we've always been wake forest. He goes, surprise, surprise, the one year we pitch well, we're going to Omaha. So it it was, it was they, they joke back and forth and certainly we don't value one over the other. Again, there's hundreds of different ways to win a baseball game, um, but our pitching has definitely take, taken an uptick for sure. Um, it'll it'll be a strength of ours, hopefully again this year. We do a really good job in the pitching lab and, and our, the communication between myself, the pitching lab coordinator, Mike McFerrin and Corey Mascara, the pitching coach, um, plus, we have a huge team of data analysts now that are all students here at Wake Forest who kind of use this as kind of um, a springboard in their career. One of our kids uh, graduated here last year. He went immediately got a job with the Toronto Blue Jays, and we stole him back from Toronto. So he's back, going to be our director of analytics. Uh, we opened a new position for him, so he's going to be in charge of our analytics team. And, and again, the communication across all of us helps us to become a little bit Get us a, a head up on on uh, what we have to do in the spring, for sure. Uh, I'm de- I'm definitely going to stick with that. That
0: Wake Forest is is if it's not known, Pitch. it's definitely known as Pitch Forest because in the past okay. two or three years, you guys have developed uh, Jared Schuster, who's uh, with the by Atlanta Braves, and now obviously and Ryan Kusick, who was with drafted by the Braves and now with, in the in your former organization, the Oakland yep. Athletics. My question to you is: You're pitching the, the Wake Forest pitching lab. I think is pretty famous in college baseball could I go train to help me for my upcoming co-ed softball league?
1: Sure. Um, it's, (laughs) it's, we, it's, it's funny because I have a friend who always talks about how electric his stuff was in high school. And, um, he always like, he's like, I got to come down and get in that pitching lab. And he's in his thirties or forties now and, and overweight. And he just wants to get in there and he probably hurt himself. And I'd hurt myself if I got up on the mound too. But, um, yeah, you can come down and, like, I'll see Mike McFerrin, our director of, of the pitching lab. He'll throw, and he doesn't have the same mechanics that a Rhett Louder or Josh Hartle or Chase Burns has, for sure. Um, but he can still play catch at, at a good level, but he's still a young kid. So uh, we'll you see know him what? in about I, 20 years after throwing. I didn't
0: play college baseball when I was in college, so I have four years of eligibility. You know, maybe with the pitch lab, I'll go from 60-mile-an-hour fastball to, like, a 65. So, you know, yeah, I'll throw junk. Right, uh,
1: right. yeah, hey crafty right-hander right
0: yeah no I'm, I'm actually a lefty so i have a little oh, bit more okay so you yeah. know a little bit more speaking of trying not to hurt yourself i read that you're also a deadlifter
1: but i do deadlift i mean it's it's a deadlift's a good exercise for an, an older guy who has bad knees
0: <laughs> what is i you know what i noticed that pe- guys who do bodybuilding are are, dif- are a different breed than the ones who are like the heavy deadlifters Because I don't ever see someone like, uh, you know, obviously the deadlifters are, you know, very stocky and thick and they're not like, oh, I'd love to be like Mr. Olympia, like Frank Zane or um, who was it? Ronnie Coleman, like these legendary guys. Why is that? Why is there a disconnect between uh, the the guys who do that heavy lifting and then the guys who try to go be Mr. Olympia?
1: Well, when you look at Mr. Olympia and you you sit there and you see a guy like, I'm going to turn the clock way back, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Who's 6'4, 250 pounds, Adonis, right? And, and again, I'm when you say deadlift heavy, heavy, I've never like the I'm not built to deadlift. I'm 6'8. And but the guys who, who are the huge power lifters are the guys who are short and stocky, have short legs, long arms, big thick torsos, and they're not going to be the most aesthetic guys that you can sit there and oil up and, and look at. The guys who are heavy deadlifters are those guys with a back as wide as uh, a Volkswagen and able to pull some crazy weight off the floor. I don't, I don't pull crazy weight. It's a, it's an exercise I do because I'm an old man with a, with a bad knee and try to limit my squatting as much as I can. But you know, squat was here. Well, we always joke around and goof, goof off through squat tober through Soren website, but uh is probably my exercise of choice, total body. It's a total body exercise. And it makes you feel good when you get out of it.
0: That's, that's good to know again I, I, I've always, I always wondered but where when did you realize obviously I'm sure that you loved baseball since you were a young boy, but when did you realize that confluence between I love baseball. I've gone to the professional level, but now I want to do also the sports, the, the fitness part, the performance. when did you realize I can marry these two and actually get have a career out of it?
1: When I got hurt when I was with Baltimore and I had my first shoulder surgery, never came back from that one, had another shoulder surgery, came back. I wasn't as successful. That's when I really turned to strength and conditioning to be a kind of a, the number one priority in my process. I didn't understand it as much as I do now. I didn't have a degree yet. Didn't understand the kinesiology of it, the physiology of it. So I lifted a lot and lifted too much. I didn't understand the mobility portion of it. And again, that's where sports performance comes into it. I got two, I got up to 265. Which was like an eight percent body fat when I was with Oakland and with Pittsburgh towards the end of my career, and it was I I couldn't move, so I couldn't I didn't have very good separation of my hips and my shoulders, Uh, my thoracic spine was locked up like just because I lifted heavy all the time, and again it's not always about lifting heavy, but when I got hurt and was coming back and had a successful season in '99 and and. I was always on the bus to the gym. It was always optional workouts. Um, I know now they have mandatory, ter- mandatory workouts in my leagues. You've got to get two or three workouts a week, but the trainer didn't always want to go to the gym. He would hand me the the little bag of, of money. He'd be like, Hey, you're in charge and take these guys to the gym. And I'd be like, okay. And I'd, I'd ride the bus and count the guys and get those guys moving. Um, Eric Burns was the first guy. Actually, he's like, see you need to deadlift. So he's the guy who got me into deadlift. And again learning from him learning from the strength the strength coaches at the complex with oakland um and then once i came back to school i just started volunteering here at wake forest one it gave me the opportunity to use our facilities for free but um i, I learned from a lot of great minds uh, ethan reeve um david bass is our director strength and conditioning now some of the interns we had Corey schlesinger is huge on social media um, he was—he played. He was coaching in the professional ranks. He's now at Texas uh, as their director of basketball strength and conditioning. So, all these guys that came through here—it um, really opened up the the world. I didn't realize I could get paid. I don't say get paid for working out, but um, get paid to. I wear usually like I put on a collared shirt for your podcast, but it's usually shorts and a t-shirt. I'm in my shorts underneath on the Zoom call here, but um, that's that's uh, normally. I can, I don't have to wear a tie and a jacket to work every day. So that was a, a, a great eye opener for sure. Yeah, definitely. I don't think suit
0: and tie, we're not in, we're in this isn't Connie Mack, the 1920s uh, Philadelphia right. Athletics. So you don't need to right. do that. you Mark, you've had experience, obviously, at a high level in college baseball with Wake Forest and then as a minor league player for many years. If you were to become the new, you choose the new czar of minor league baseball or the czar of college baseball, what's one or two things you would do with your powers that you could change anything you want?
1: All right, both of these, I thought about this this week I, and both of these are pitcher based obviously as a former pitcher, I'd get rid of the aluminum bat. <laughs> I know it would cost, it would cost a lot of money, right? But it, it. I've seen too many hits off the barrel or let me say off the end of the bat or off the handle that get through. For
0: aluminum that, bats, um, I'm sorry, you mean for college baseball?
1: Yeah, for college yeah. baseball, I'd get rid of aluminum bats for college baseball um, and then Um, as a purist, a baseball purist, I get rid of turf. We have a turf field here and it's ideal for when we have a rain delay, 30 minutes later, we're out on the field and, and we're playing, but again, uh, and we get true hops and everything else. You don't get that bad hop base hit or whatever for as, again, as a pitcher, I enjoy that, but I don't necessarily like the, and and as a strength coach, the, the turf adds a degree of injury, like, especially if it's wet and you slide or slip, um, there's a safety issue to that turf, but uh, I would, I'd probably lose both of those if if I was the Czar of college baseball.
0: I have a, I've read a couple of articles recently for at least for the National Football League where they have that same issue that players are demanding that every stadium has to have uh, natural
1: natural grass, I think the Bahamian grass or something like that. I think it's I think it's a fact. like like we'll train with when I worked with volleyball, um, I'm talking to Donnie Mabe, who's the strength coach at Texas volleyball. They won the national championship last year. He likes to train on different surfaces. Like he'll do a lot of sand work. He'll do a lot of uh, stuff on the turf. Stuff uh, they they stay out of the gym uh, during the preseason because he do so much stuff on the gym. So training on different surfaces is is great. But having to compete on those different surfaces, if you're not used to it, it certainly adds a a, a safety risk to it. I mean, that's you're going to see ankles and knees and and hips and stuff like that that happen when playing on different surfaces week to week.
0: Mark, if people want to go to to Winston Salem to see the amazing Wake Forest Demon Deacons again this year for college baseball, what's one, what's a couple of places that you would you normally like to go to in the Winston Salem area for a cup of coffee, drink, food, anything?
1: I'm not a coffee guy, but we'll take when we get uh, our we've had we've hired two new um, employees here at Wake Forest. When we do the interview process, we always take them to Cranky's. Crankies has some southern biscuit breakfast sandwiches that we attack and it's all like like fried chicken and and pimento cheese and stuff that's good for you and they have some pretty good coffee from what they tell me so they'll go to cranky's every once in a while um we have stuff on campus that they do uh they have coffee spots on campus um around the ballpark there's a place um ryan's restaurant it's a four-star dining restaurant um my so again a shameless plug my wife works there. She's the general manager. So they've been there since 1971. Um, it's again, high priced place, but again, just last night, my wife called me. She's like, Hey, a couple of your baseball players are here when their parents come in town. They, they always drag their parents there to have them buy them a good meal. They have really developed downtown. There's a lot of places downtown uh, that they, that they'll go eat. We're going to a pizza place, Cachino Forno, it's in a place near this incendiary brewery it's it's uh, a place that's real family friendly a lot of kids go to Burke street pub place downtown uh favorite of mine when i was in college and 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 when i once i got out of college for sure it's a, that's a place we get a lot of they get a lot of um fans from out, out outside of uh winston for sure when florida state came in town to play football um, they had a huge rush of Florida state fans that came in when Clemson comes to town, Clemson fans will flock there. Um, so we get a lot of outsiders that come in there uh, a lot and it's, uh, it's a good, always a good time for sure. It's good to know. I'd love to be able to go down there. I I'm always
0: driving in between the Carolinas, like the South Carolina and you were, earlier you were talking about Christian rock. And it's like, once you hit, once you hit the Carolina, North Carolina, it's like every station is, is Christian
1: rock. Yeah. The, the Bible, you can hit the Bible belt there and it's, and it's amazing. You'll go through and it, it, it'll, it'll pop up. And and I'm not going to preach to you, but you can't get away from it, brother. <laughs>
0: That's true. Mark, I want to thank you for your time, but let us sure. know where we could potentially see some of your work, some of your athletes or anything you want to share uh, related to yourself or Wake Forest Athletics.
1: Uh, we are our, our Instagram page, Wake Forest Sports Performance. Um, uh, we're pretty active on that. Um, Kendall Daniels is one of our, uh, Uh, strength coaches here she handles all the uh all those posts i wouldn't know the first thing about the technology to get that i'm not very social media savvy um our wake force baseball has a an instagram page uh demon deacon athletics has an instagram page um it's interesting if you click on our website godeeks.com uh they have links to all some of the students instagram pages and stuff like that where there's their twitters and stuff like that i'm not again i'm not a twitter guy not an instagram guy but uh again i'll subscribe to and, and because of We'll look at our Wake force sports performance and stuff, and and again, we'll do. We did the. uh, We'll do some of the trends. There's one of the trends they want me to do with one of our uh, strength coaches, Jasmine Johnson. She's Jazz is about five foot. She was a, a gymnast, and and they want to do a, a a famous TikTok post or something with me and her, where I tower over her and she has to look up to me. I don't know. Whatever. I'll do whatever. Whatever the kids want to do. I'm trying to stay relevant, right?
0: You no, know, and I I do want to plug as well though, the the. Wake Forest College baseball program. Earlier today, I went on the website and season tickets start at one hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, it's all that that's to support the athletes. It's
1: yeah, and it's it's amazing. It's funny the uh, when we went to when we had the super regional, we hosted the super regional, we broke a record, an attendance record of thirty nine hundred and thirty three. So it's not a very big stadium. So if you want your tickets, go get them now. But the one thing, uh, the one thing they we joked about is. how many people were at the stadium, uh, our, our first weekend, we played the Sunday morning game at eight 30, February 17th or 18th. And it was about 42 degrees. There wasn't a whole lot of people in the stands, but there sure were a lot when we were playing hosting the super regional. And it's, and it's interesting. Some of the, we just, again, this will be a, a plug for our uh, website, godeeks.com and our YouTube page. They have team one Oh nine, Chris Fowler's our, our social media, Uh, director for uh, the athletic department he's he put he made a movie about all of the highlights and the the journey and stuff we did with team 109 last year going to omaha and that had 16 hours in that had more views than every other video on the website except for two one of them was a interview that coach clausen gave a couple years ago and another one was the uh, facility tour uh, with eric adler and brock wilkin a couple two years ago I think that has like 144,000 views, but we had like 2,500 views in the first 16 hours. I couldn't tell you what it is now, but it's a pretty cool movie. And and every Friday, my kids and I like if my wife's working at the restaurant, my, my kids and I'll sit in bed and watch a movie or something. Last Friday, my wife was off, so all four of us sat in bed and watched Team 109. The movie it was it was a, it was a tearjerker for me or me because it didn't end, it had a sad ending. But uh, again, there's so much so much more to it. It's pretty pretty impressive.
0: I want to thank Mark for joining us this week. I always enjoy talking with guests who are at high-level, elite college baseball programs. I always encourage everyone to go watch your local college baseball team because you'll see some pretty good baseball, and it's a great bang for your buck. I also want to thank what's powered me through both thinking up the topics of this podcast and editing as well. In my hand, I have an Oktoberfest I know we're already in November, but I'm still drinking at Oktoberfest. It's a German-style Madison from a good American local brewery called Guild Brewery in Charlotte, North Carolina, the great state of North Carolina, where Wake Forest is located. I've been buying a lot of Mars and beer lately. I really, really enjoy it. You know what else has to do with the South besides North Carolina, baseball, Christian rock, rock and roll driving barbecue the Atlanta Braves, the team of the South. the team of America forget that remember that when 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 they were on TBS Atlanta the Atlanta Braves were America's team and they still are. If you haven't been keeping up with your financial news, apparently Warren Buffett, one of the most famous investors in all of planet Earth, his company Berkshire Hathaway bought eight million dollars worth of Atlanta Braves shares. You may not know this, but there are only two teams in Major League Baseball that aren't owned by an individual, basically some billionaire or someone that inherited the club. The Toronto Blue Jays are owned by Rogers Communications, and the Atlanta Braves were owned by Liberty Media. But Liberty Media spun out the Atlanta Braves and the real estate around Truist Park as its own public company. So you can buy a share in Atlanta Braves. You can buy 10 shares. You can buy 1,000 shares or like Warren Buffett, you can buy $8 million worth of shares. Well, at least that's one thing Warren Buffett and I have in common. We both own shares in the Atlanta Braves. Granted, he owns a heck of a lot more shares than I do. I don't own anywhere near $8 million worth of shares. I would love to. As I said in other episodes, if I had the money, I would completely buy out the Atlanta Braves and take them private. But that's a topic for, for another time. It's the offseason for Major League Baseball. But as I said... The Latin leagues are are, the Latin winter leagues are up and roaring fall ball and college baseball just finished. We're going to be releasing episodes a few times a month. We're taking it easy a little bit, but I'm still going to be watching Latin American baseball, especially the Nicaraguan winter league every week. So you're more than welcome to to do that with me. I'm going to post it again. the, The websites where you can find it. Thanks for listening to last call baseball. Be great and get home safe.